Well, good morning to you. We're uh, going to get straight on now with uh, the second in our series, this, this new series that we started last week called All Things New. And remember that um, this is the story of the big uh, theme within one of the big themes within the Bible, that God is in the business of restoring all of his creation back to the way he originally intended it to be. All matter matters, matters. And remember, we talked about it being the story of two gardens, the Garden of Eden, perfectly created, God's wonderful and, and beautiful creation that was spoiled through sin, through brokenness that came into the world. But then in Jesus, God started the work of restoring his creation back to the way he intended it to be. And then so the story, the Bible story, if you like, finishes with this um, picture of this restored garden in Revelation. And remember, we, we looked at Revelation 21 which says, see, where God says, see, I am making all things new. And that word, uh, making all things new, the, the, the meaning of that phrase means Genesis again, a restored Genesis. So that's what we're going to keep exploring today. Just before we do that, let's just watch this little clip from the wonderful people at the Bible Project, just to remind us what we've already talked about. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we, we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. So it's important that we remember that this, this uh, future hope of the restored kingdom is going to be one day, a day that happens when God will deal with, with everything and he will restore all of his creation back to himself. When in the words of Revelation 21, he will wipe away every tear. He will deal with death. There will be no more pain. 
there'll be no more crying. That is a beautiful day that we look forward to. But we also know that that future expectation breaks into the present now. It did it in Jesus when he came and lived on this earth and uh, particularly in his death and resurrection he inaugurated the kingdom, the future kingdom, breaking into the present now. And you and I, people, the followers of Jesus ever since him being on this earth have continued to be people who are windows into this future kingdom who seek to pull down this future kingdom into the present in the way that they talk about the kingdom of God in the way that they live their lives remember we talked last week about that phrase from Alan Scott the story that you live in is the story that you live out and I ended last week by asking us the question is the story of the fullness of the restoration of God's kingdom. This future hope and also the pulling down of it to break into the present now, is that the story that you live in? It's so important that we know what that story is. And it all revolves around Jesus inaugurating, bringing that, starting that renewal. Eugene Peterson's translation of Colossians uh, particularly emphasizes this point when it talks about Jesus being the center of all things being the one around whom this renewal of God's creation happens and he says this Jesus was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade he is supreme in the end from the beginning to end he's there towering far above everything and everyone so spacious is he so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. It's that great phrase, isn't it? All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. We get to be part of the writing of that story. We get to carry on that work of God's restoration, partnering with God as he restores all things, people and things, animals and atoms, getting properly fixed and fitting together. And it sits in this big story of God's restoration of all things. You see, you and I are not just saved from something. We are saved, also saved for something. So it's really important we know the story that we live in so that the story we live out is that fullness of the restoration of all things. So today I want to just delve a little bit further and ask what would you expect to see in a people of God, in a church that is seeking to live in this story? What will be the story, if you like, that we live out individually and as a church? And there are so many things we could look at. 
Um, there are so many uh, aspects of this, I think, that inf influence so much of what we're about. But we don't have time to look at all of them. I'm hoping over the year we will keep coming back to this and we will keep asking the question of what it means to live in this story as people and as a church. But the two things that I'd like to look at this morning are one, what it means for us in our day to day lives. If we're followers of Jesus, what does it mean in our day-to-day -day lives to live in this story and to live out this story? And secondly, what does it mean for us in the, in the way that we deal with injustice in this world? What does it mean for the people of God, for the church of God, to live in this story? And how does it affect the way they live out the story in terms of dealing with injustice, speaking to injustice, and, uh, and bringing the things of the kingdom to bear upon those issues? So firstly, how it affects our day-to-day -day life. If you are a follower of Jesus who just lives in the truncated story of the, the, the gospel, you know, that, that one act that deals with personal salvation, sin and salvation, an important act, absolutely important, but which is part of the fuller gospel. But if that is the one act that you sit in, then it very, becomes very hard to relate what it means to be a follower of Jesus to the rest of our lives. How does it relate if it's just really about personal salvation? You know, the, the job that you do, the thing that you do in the day to day won't really have uh, the, the story that you live in won't have anything to say to that. Uh, at best, uh, what will what will happen is that we'll see that the thing that we do in the day to day as an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. That's the reason that we're there. It's kind of like an opening, an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. And yes, absolutely, that is true. We need to keep saying it's really important that we, the people of God, see the opportunities to tell people about Jesus, to proclaim the gospel, the good news to people when it is right. But we're also called to sit in this bigger story of the restoration of all things. And if we do, that changes the way we see what we do in the day to day, because we see that what we do in the day to day matters, that we partner with God to bring the things of the kingdom into the place that we spend our time in the day to day that we partner with God to bring the restoration of all things the culture of the kingdom if you like into these places so if you for example are a banker if you um, live in the full story of the restoration of of God you will look for opportunities to tell people about Jesus but you will also partner with partner with God to redeem banking to bring kingdom culture kingdom values into banking and the way that uh, business practice is carried out if you're a teacher um, you will partner with you will partner with God to bring a kingdom culture into the school in which you work so that the staff and the children um, experience what it means to live in kingdom culture. You will challenge things that don't seem right. You will speak truth into situations uh, because you see your role as partnering with God to bring the restoration of all things, to bring the things of the kingdom into the present uh, where you are, where you spend your time if you're a musician you will know that you making music is about bringing the soundtrack of heaven into the present and that you can bring joy and life to people um, as they listen to this music and that is part of a beautiful thing of bringing as I say this kingdom of God into the present day 
same if you're an artist you can reflect the things of the kingdom in what you create and it is all part of sitting in this bigger story of the restoration of all things in the truncated story what you do in the day-to-day seems fairly inconsequential it's just something you do but in the full story it's a place where you get to rewrite the story bring change reflect kingdom values when you live in the full story every part of life matters because god is in the business of restoring all things we in the church in the past part of our story has been to release people into kingdom businesses into create the creatives to to, to make music to make art um, that reflect the things of the kingdom because we are a church who historically has 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 known this bigger story of the restoration of all things of the kingdom of god that we are called to reflect the things of the kingdom in all areas of life and i hope that that is something that we will continue to do going forward to release people into these areas into the fullness of what it means to be kingdom culture changers bearers of the kingdom the culture of the kingdom secondly if we live in the fullness of this story then we will be people who um as we as we live out the story we will seek it will change the way we deal with injustice it will change the way we 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 understand what our calling is uh, when we deal with issues of injustice we'll be a people who seek to love and care for people who are vulnerable and who are oppressed who are on the margins we'll seek to meet their needs and we will seek to challenge cultures and systems that cause people to be in this position in the first place that cause people to end up needing help and we will be a people and a church that promotes systems that enable all people to begin to live in the culture of the kingdom now why will we be this sort of people because we live in this big story that we know in this future hope of the kingdom there isn't injustice there isn't inequality there isn't pain there isn't poverty there isn't suffering so we seek to bring that which is true of the future into the present now that's our mandate as the people of god as we live in this big story one of my favorite films is um, gladiator and maximus the character in that who leads the roman armies he's played by russell crowe one of the pep talks he does to his men just before they're about to go and um, go into battle is he says this line what we do in life echoes in eternity now what he's saying there is um, as you go into battle as you kill lots of people and you and you fight for the Roman army it will have a lasting effect um, we don't quite mean it that way but in a sense um, there is truth in that statement remember we said that what we what we do in this life that is of the kingdom will carry on into eternity what we do in this life for the kingdom does echo in eternity and in a sense we are going into battle we're going into battle against those things which do not represent the kingdom we're going into battle against those things which cause people to live in states of life in situations in life which aren't what god has planned for them 
what we do in this life will carry on into eternity and we can bring the things and the values of the kingdom into this life now. C.S. Lewis said this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. That's the reason we as a church get involved in uh, food bank, in CAP, Christians Against Poverty, in helping asylum seekers. I'm currently at the moment talking to... Um, black and ethnic minority people in the church to hear their um, stories to ask them to listen to them uh, what their thoughts are on the current um, news items that we're all seeing about race issues it's important that we as a church have something to say in this that we speak up into these issues and that we hear what the experiences of of people of uh, who are black and ethnic minority what their thoughts are on this why is it important? Because, again, that future vision of the kingdom of God. That vision of everyone around the throne of God. All nations, all tribes, all races, all colours, all equal, all having equal dignity around the throne of God, worshipping him. If that is true in the future, we seek to make it a real reality now. And we go after the things that... that, that aren't representing the things of the kingdom now so where there is injustice where people aren't treated with dignity where people don't have equality because that's not something that's in the future kingdom we are called as the people the followers of jesus to live out the story of the kingdom now of 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 fighting against injustice and oppression that is so important we pray the prayer of jesus don't we that jesus gave us your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. The things of heaven coming to bear on earth. Because one day God will restore and renew heaven and earth. And it will all, and the things of heaven, the values of heaven, the values of the kingdom will be realised in, in their fullness. Kath uh, Livesey has introduced me to a new author and I've only just started reading her book. Uh, it's, it's Lisa Sharon Harper and the book is called The Very Good Gospel. And the, the, I came across this quote by her. She says this. If one's gospel falls mute when facing people who need good news the most, the impoverished, the oppressed and the broken, then it is no gospel at all. I grew up in the Methodist church and so I grew up learning a lot about John Wesley. You may know his story. He's part of, um, uh, um, uh, with, 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 with a lot of other people, he was part of what's often called the Great Evangelical Awakening in this country. In 1837, he had an infilling of the Spirit of God. He was already a pastor. He was already um, leading people. But he, he found himself in a prayer meeting led by the Moravians. And in this prayer meeting, the Spirit of God fell upon him. And um, he, he describes it as having his heart strangely warmed. And this moment of conversion was what some people would say is, was the start of the evangelical awakening in the British Isles. Pete Hughes, in his book, All Things New, says this of that time and, and of what happened in Wesley's life. The revival that followed 
Wesley's uh, infilling of the spirit transformed the culture. The church was set on fire and it brought the city to life. Wesley and his contemporaries gave their lives to the proclamation of the gospel and the renewal of culture. Wesley rode up and down the country on horseback preaching the gospel. Thousands upon thousands came to faith and at the same time however he dedicated himself tirelessly to social change. He was one of the pioneers of ending slavery, writing thoughts upon slavery 13 years before the abolition of, abolition of slavery. In fact, his last letter, written from his deathbed, was to encourage a young William Wilberforce in such a pursuit. Wesley also championed the living wage and prison reform, handing on the baton to John Howard and Elizabeth Fry. He took on the legal system, highlighting inconsistencies in the penal system that disadvantaged the poor. He took on the political system, trying to stamp out bribery and corruption in politics. He campaigned against medieval practices in medicine. He championed funeral reform. He and his brother Charles got the nation singing, writing 9,000 songs. That's a pretty good CV, isn't it? But there is an example of, a, of, of where um, living in the fullness of the story of the gospel lived, worked its way out in the way he lived his life in both personal salvation, the restoration of, pers of people's lives and renewal of people's lives, of their um, coming to, to salvation in Jesus, and also the working out of, of it in, in all of creation, in the restoration of all those things which weren't right, which didn't reflect the kingdom, and coming and speaking into those, speaking the truth of the kingdom into those situations. Heaven comes to earth, it invades earth, and God's renewed and spirit-filled people begin to seek that one-day future reality of the renewed creation, now your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven that's why we do what we do as a church uh, that's why we get involved in food bank that's why we get involved in cap uh, christians against poverty jane franklin said to me a couple of days ago that someone that we're in relationship with has just become debt free through through the cap work that's something of the kingdom of heaven coming into to bear now isn't it because in heaven there is no death, there is no poverty. So we seek to, 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 to realise that in people's lives now so that they can take next steps towards being the people that God originally created them to be. It's such an important work because it's part of the restoration of all things. So we want to be a church that sits in this story that that um lives in this story and lives out this story um we and we want the reason we want to be this this sort of a church and, and this sort of a people is because that's what scripture teaches us and it's so important that we sit in scripture as a people of god and as a church because goodness knows there's so many things out there aren't there that are seeking to inform us that are seeking to influence us um, and if we stay calibrated to scripture, we will stay true to this fullness of the story of God. We don't need a theological reason, do we, to do good. Um, and we know intuitively it's right to be kind, to love people. Uh, but it's important that we do delve into what the scripture is saying. We have theological reasons because it will help us stay calibrated to the fullness of the gospel. To remind us when we become apathetic and comfortable um, 
either about partnering with God to realising the kingdom now or about telling people about their own need for personal salvation. We need the full gospel to be constantly calibrating us. It is possible just to focus on personal salvation and ignore the wider restoration of all things. It's also possible to focus on the restoration of all things and neglect the act of the play that deals with personal salvation. That deals with the fact that our brokenness is real and that actually so much of the injustice and oppression that is in this world is as a result of personal brokenness and human sin. We need the fullness of the story. Tom Wright says this, mission must urgently recover from its long-term schizophrenia. The split between saving souls and doing good in the world is a product not of the Bible or the gospel, but of the cultural captivity of both within the Western world. The world of space, time and matter is where real people live, where real communities happen, where difficult decisions are taken, where schools and hospitals bear witness to the now already of the gospel, while police and prisons bear witness to the not yet. And the church that is renewed by the message of Jesus' resurrection must be the church that goes to work precisely in that space, time and matter and claims it in advance as the place of God's kingdom, of Jesus' lordship, of the power of the Spirit. We need the full gospel in our personal lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In the lives of those who are in pain and who suffer injustice, your kingdom come, your will be done. In the businesses and institutions that are responsible for causing injustice, your kingdom come and your will be done. And I actually think that when we live in this full story and we live out this full story, we will get more opportunity to talk about Jesus, to introduce people to Jesus. Because we, you and I will see, and people who are not yet followers of Jesus will see, that what Jesus is about is about all of the things that matter. It isn't some distant, unrelatable story, but it is something that speaks into all aspects of who we are. So I think that will mean something to people and it will mean we get more opportunities to talk about him. Jesus, when he stood up in the temple to the waiting crowds at the start of his ministry and he proclaimed, if you like, the mandate of the restored kingdom, the mandate of the kingdom of God. He quoted Isaiah 61 and I'm going to finish with these words because not, they not only were the mandate of Jesus's ministry but for all of you uh, us who call ourselves followers of Jesus they are our mandate too. They are the mandate of the kingdom of God, of the restored kingdom, of the renewal of all things. Isaiah 61 says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Our job is therefore simple. We're called to live in the story. We're called to live out the story and to enjoy relationship with the author of the story and therefore to partner with him in his purpose to make all things new.